Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, listeners. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. You know, I've been... I've been... uh, listening to different sources i'm always trying to get news about especially china um it's always fascinated me for you know most of my life i've had a fascination with china and so i'm always reading about missionaries to china studying Mm -hmm. about china you know done bible delivery courier work courier work into china um and uh it's it's really fascinating to me to see kind of the arc of what's happened in china to see the church one of the amazing yeah. things, well, I'll talk about the amazing thing about the church in China in just a minute, but, you know, and even part of my dissertation, uh, I used some research that was done on uh, or with uh, people who had been uh, persecuted severely during the uh, Chinese Cultural Revolution. So it's all, you know, it has an... It's all interconnected. It's all interconnected. Had an influence on you, and so you have people right now that are down in the Darien Gap, and they're like the Chinese army's coming north, and they're going to take us all out. And you've got people that are, you know, saying um, uh, China's going to wipe us out economically. They're starting the BRICS group and all of that. And then you have other experts that say, no, that's not what's happening. There's no way the dollar can be replaced. Then you have other people that are saying, hey. Um, China's on the rise and America's gone on the f- decline. And then you have other people that are saying, no, actually China's like one year away from a food crisis and 10 years away from a total population crisis. Their society's going to collapse. It can't sustain itself. Right. Don't be concerned with China at all. You need to be focused on, you know, Russia or whatever other country. Or- now, here's what I do know is true um, about China. And that is that Xi Jinping has probably accumulated unto himself more power uh, w- considering the amount of people that he's over, the amount of resources he has, and the amount of uh, total control that he has, he has consolidated to himself, I'm going to boldly say, more power than probably even Emperor Nero had. I really? Mean, he's, oh yeah, I mean, he's literally removed all of the people who are, um, uh, that aren't yes men. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's kind of gone, you know, in kind of a North Korean uh, style of uh, of control over China. And that's a good thing and a bad thing for him because good for him. He doesn't have to deal with anybody, you know, trying to push back against him or undermine him. Bad thing is no one around him can think. And it's all kind of crazy. Good thing is I think it's going to get harder and harder for him to persecute Christians because it's just not going to be his top priority. He's, he's going to have other things going on. He's got a lot of other problems going on. But I, I'm bringing all this up because I don't want to get, I don't like to get political. Uh, I used to be very political, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I feel like, you know, um, what, what was it my, our, your brother said? He told me that, Dad, when you're thinking about political stuff, you're not the best version of yourself. Yes, yeah. Right? I think that's and I think that's said. true for a lot of us. Yeah. Because politics is something worldly. 
Mm-hmm. It's a man-made system, right? And it's a it's a it's the worldly way of trying to accomplish things mm-hmm. uh, and trying yeah. to get our will done. And we it really takes us away from a system of being stewards in God's kingdom, recognizing His lordship over all of the earth, recognizing that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven first, yeah. recognizing that our way of getting things done is saying, yes, Lord, now what? And and praying, right? And mm-hmm. being in the Word. But we're interested in, in politics because we're afraid, right? Yeah, that's, that's where I, I was mean, going. That's, that's the thing. The reason that we, everybody seems to be so uh, just engulfed in political political stuff is that they think that if they understand what's going on, that they can somehow either protect themselves or they can do something to change the bad thing from happening or that somehow if they just have the information, if they just have the knowledge, if they're aware, they can be in control. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are a lot of flaws in that from right. a biblical perspective. Right. Right, and that's that thing: fear and control. Those two—they're they're really the two the same st- thing, really. Two sides of the same coin. Fear is the reaction, uh, uh, or control is the reaction. Fear is the cause. It's really the right. catalyst. They say controls the action side of fear. Right, and so I brought up all these things with China earlier because. You can really transfer that thought process anywhere. What's going on with Russia? What's going on with Ukraine? What's going on in Europe? What's going on in Africa? What's going on in India? You can transfer that thought process anywhere. What's going on in your own home? Mm -hmm. What's going on at the place where you work? Um, We can know for sure things are changing because things always change. Things don't stay the same. The only thing that stays the same is... Change. Change and God. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I thought you were trying to <laughs> that saying of the only consistent is change. The only consistent. But really, you're you're trying to say, okay, let's take it back to that spiritual place. Yes, which is <laughs> yeah. the only thing we know uh, that is never going to change. Uh, that's God and His Word. Right? right, and so and so in this season of time when you know we have so much more information available to us, and so you can it, our minds can become yeah. really overwhelmed with all of the different opinions and all the different information. And we can really become overwhelmed by fear. And of course, Satan is standing back going, yes, please be overwhelmed by fear. Mm-hmm. Then I'll give you some ideas about how to take control. Right. And I think that uh, we want to look to something like Psalm 18. Psalm 18 uh, you know, David, King David describes the Lord as his rock. As his yes. fortress, as his shield, as his salvation, right? And he didn't get to that place um, naturally. He didn't wake up one morning and, and you know, and the, the, being the least member of the least family of the least tribe, and say, you know what, the Lord is my rock and my <laughs> shield and my foundation. Yep. I mean, you he might have said those words then. I'm like, I wasn't there. I don't know. But when he's fought the lion and he's fought the bear. And he's fought Goliath, and he's he's been in Saul's household, and he's had to run from Saul, and he's had to fight different battles, and he's had to fight the Philistines, and he's and he's done all the things that he's done. And then to say those words, it means something completely different, right? right. Because now he's really lived a hard way. 
a way where he's had to trust in God. I mean, you look at King David, he's not the example of everything perfect, but there's a reason why God says he's a man after his own heart. And part mm -hmm. of it is that most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, David chose the way of faith. He chose the harder way. Yes. I mean, there were how many... He went in and literally cut a piece of a cloth off the corner of Saul's rope, mm -hmm. right? I mean, to show Saul, I could have killed you, and I didn't. And I chose not to. And so even though he was anointed the king of Israel decades before he ever assumed the throne, and even though God's spirit was with him decades before... Um, and which was the sign of being the king. Yes, yeah, exactly. Decades before he ever, before Saul ever eventually fell on his own sword, basically. David was choosing the harder way by trusting in God. Mm. And there must have been a lot of times when David felt like, wow, I don't see how I ever get on that throne. I don't see how this ever works out. And there were probably people all around him saying, China's going to take us over. China's going to collapse. China's going to kill the dollar. I mean, those kinds of messages yeah. coming to him all the time. Yeah. And yet he stayed the course and said, I'm going to, most of the time, obviously there's a whole Bathsheba instance we want to talk yeah. about. Yeah, we know, we, we know that. that he, you know, he had his, his failings. He has foibles. Like, like we all do. A little this and that here and yeah. there. But man, they, those words from him mean so much. The Lord is my rock. How do you think, how in your life, um, and I know I'm asking you this off the cuff, take a second if you need, but how in your life do you actualize that same kind of a thought of the Lord being your rock and your shield and your salvation? Hmm. Like for me, the, yeah. fir the first way I do it is just by saying it. Right. Like <laughs> You've got to have the intellectual piece first, I, right? Well, I make it worship. Mm, oh yeah right so because like you know like um when, when jesus teaches the disciples how to pray uh in, in matthew in the sermon on the mount or after the sermon on the mount he says um and when you pray pray like this our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name mm -hmm. and so he really starts off with worship of our heavenly father hallowed be yeah. thy name and so if i can start my prayers with Lord, you are my rock, you are my shield, you are my strength, you are my salvation. You are the cleft in which I hide. You are unmoving and unshaking and unwavering. The hills melt like wax in your presence. And I begin to quote those scriptures, their declarations about the Lord to him as my worship. Mm -hmm. Something happens inside of me that's transformative, that strengthens me for the harder way. And it reminds me who the Lord is so that I can then live out those truths as well. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the Sermon on the Mount because it's right after that that Jesus says, and anyone who uh, chooses to listen to what I'm saying and do it uh, is like a man who builds his house on the rock. Right. And those who hear what I say and, and don't do it, that don't take it to heart, are like the a man who has built his house on the sand. Mm. And so right there we see Jesus telling us that if we want to have a firm foundation, we have to actually believe what he says. We have to hear what he says. We have to believe it. And we have to do it. Right? And if we want to know and we want to believe what God says, we have to look first and foremost to his word, to the Bible. Because if I'm thinking about the world around us right now and 
all of the just craziness in our society. And I'm not saying that our society today is any crazier than it was a couple hundred years ago because we know that, you know, some of us can tend to get a little myopic when it comes to our version of the world, right? We say, it's never been this bad. It's never been this terrible. But we know that uh, throughout all of history, there have been you know, tragedies and atrocities. There have been dictators. There's been wars and enslavement and, you know, human rights travesties and all these things. Um, We know that there's been uh, intense persecution of Christians, you know, just as there is today. But if I'm looking at where our society is now and the things that we're struggling with, if I'm not looking to Scripture, if I'm not looking to God's Word, to tell me what's true and to use as that measuring rod against everything else, I'm going to go crazy because there's just no way to keep it all straight, you know, in our, in, in our heads because there's just, there's just too much. And I think that when we look to the news and the internet, I think first of all, we make the mistake of believing that we've found whatever source is the, is the true source we're like, well, I don't listen to the regular news, but I found this <laughs> this news that's actually true. Or, well, you know, I don't listen to those crazy conspiracy theorists. I only listen to the regular news, and that's what's true. And the problem is we have this false notion that we can find some fount of perfect truth outside of God's Word. Mm. And yeah, we can't. We, we really need God's Word to be our fount of perfect truth. And... We really need the Lord to be our rock. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when the winds blow, if you're standing, like the, like the uh, like you just quoted earlier about building your house on the rock versus, versus building your house on the sand, right? The, when you build a house on the rock, that means you dig down through the sand to the stone beneath, to the, to the bedrock or to the, at least to some kind of stone beneath, or you dig a really deep trench and you fill that trench in with rock. Yeah. Um, another way to build a foundation. And, but I believe in the Middle East, it was digging down to the stone and then you start stacking your, your bricks on that so that when the floodwaters come and they're washing the sand away, they're not washing the foundation out from underneath the house. I mean, have you ever mm. stood on the beach and like the waves are coming in by your feet and they'll oh, literally yeah. pull sand out from under your feet yep. and you'll kind of sink down into the sand. Mm-hmm. And I've seen like, I remember your oldest sister, we were in Monterey one time and the uh, and she was standing by the water and I was holding her hand and the waves came up and hit her feet and literally pulled her right off her feet. I had her oh, hand. Oh wow, so she you had her hand anywhere. so she was fine, but if not, but, she would have been But that's what happens. But if she sea. was standing on a rock... A flat pedestal yeah. that would not have happened because the sand wouldn't have pull, been pulled out from under her feet. So we've got to, we really have to be uh, in that connection with Jesus and looking to him as our rock because if we're counting on ourselves to be able to rightly divide the times and the seasons and the places and the people and all of that, when we are in a, a time where Satan has the loudest voice of all. Mm-hmm. And his native language is lies. Lies. So, <laughs> lies, is it any lies, lies. wonder 
that everything we hear is some version of did God really say from you know Satan speaking yep. to even Genesis uh, did God really say that and everything is just questioning 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 and, and your truth and my truth and people who claim to be ministers of the gospel saying things that are clearly unbiblical I mean they just can't they just go completely against the word of God and like, I'm a Christian and I believe these unbiblical things it's like you can get so confused and so twisted and so messed up, but if I have my feet planted firmly on the Lord, I'm going to be all right. The wind can blow, the waters can rise, I'm going to stay plant planted firmly. And the way we do that, like you said, is through the scriptures. And I really like that that imagery of having to dig through and kind of remove the sand before you can build that foundation like to get to it you have to get rid of everything you, do else. Work. you have to get. do a little work and i i like that because i think that there are a lot of hindrances uh, in our own lives in our society that can keep us from building our house on that foundation of god and his truth because you know let's say that the sand right you know for all all these different parts of what maybe would make up that sand but we have you know, our, our political system is part of that sand and our economic system is part of that sand and, you know, sports my, is part of the sand. And, and my and, history and, and my your, grievances and, the, yeah, and all those kinds of things. Your, your own traumas and that's right. part of the sand and, you know, uh, peripheral doctrinal issues, you know, that's part of the sand because we see that. I'm seeing it so much right now. I had kind of hoped that through the COVID situation that we would see on the other end, more unity amongst Christians. Mm -hmm. um, but I would I would venture to say that I'm seeing more disunity, uh, speaking in terms of American Christians, more disunity today in 2023 than in 2020 or you know before the COVID situation. Because it seems that there are just so many people that are very quick to get very up in arms about secondary issues that are looking to just fight and argue and quarrel and cause divisions which i mean read the new testament y'all that's not a good thing when 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 quarrels and divisions are being put you know on the same level and in the same lists as things like you know murder and sexual immorality right you got to ask yourself okay, so uh, was was God being serious when he said that this was a bad thing or not? Because if he was, you know, you got some stuff to deal with. Right, so we want unity not uh, despite the truth, but in light of truth. Yeah, but we unity have, in the truth and through the truth. And Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We want, so we want unity in him. And we have to recognize that not everything is plain and clear and we're going to struggle a little bit with understanding it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we may have some disagreements about some things that we that we don't have to let those issues divide us, mm -hmm. you know. In the same way that we have people in our home that are, you know, Raiders fans and people that are Niners fans in our home, and we still love each <laughs> other and we live together and we we have a wonderful life together, and it gets a little tense, you know, on a Sunday afternoon sometimes. But other than that, you know, um, it's mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's it's really good and. Yeah. The church should be the same way. I think I think it's good to have differences of opinion about secondary issues, and to have robust debate, and to have. But it's not good to divide. 
Yeah, absolutely not. Because I mean, that's and that's part of that sand that we're looking mm-hmm. to to get rid of, right? If we want to have that foundation, you got to get rid of some of the sand. And I think those divisions and quarrels are part of that sand. And I think that if we're looking at what it means to really have Christ as our foundation, it means removing these other voices. And it doesn't necessarily mean never listening to anything else, right? But it does mean removing these other voices from having that same status as Scripture, as, you know, as yeah. God and His Word. Because the problem is you get people who are looking to their favorite you know, news outlet or political blog or, you know, Christian YouTuber or whatever, and they are looking to them before they're looking to scripture, right? So instead of having scripture first and foremost and everything else having to be in line with that, we're taking, you know, well, this political guy says this or this whatever guy says this, and so let me find a verse to back up why I'm right. Well, you know, we have the same struggle that um, that the, the Israelites had. You know, I always laugh when we read through the Old Testament and the, and the, and the, the Israelites do something, and you think, oh, how stupid. Yeah. But if you're really honest, we do the same things. That's why oh, I always 100%. say Israel is the story of one person's heart because we have these same problems. For instance, the, uh, you know, the God ruled um, you know, it, it, his people directly through the judges. And they said, we want, to be a, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. Mm. And um, so the, basically there's this intermediary between us and God. We want to, and we want to preach to it. And we want, we want all these things. Even going back you know, to Sinai, they, wanted a, they didn't want to have that direct relationship to God. They wanted to have a priesthood. They didn't want to be a nation of kings and priests. Yes. They wanted there to be a king and a priest and then a nation. Yes. And that's the same problem we have even to this day. People want... Their pastor to be their king, or the, or their favorite YouTuber, or their favorite author, and then they want somebody else to be their priest, and they just want to pay their tithe or pay their little bit of money, show up to church once in a while, and live a two kingdom life where I I control my kingdom, and then that's God's kingdom over there, and I just he gets to handle the spiritual mm-hmm. stuff, and I can just do whatever this author or pastor or whatever whatever they say, whatever they believe. That's what I'm going to do because I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to engage with the scriptures for myself. I just want to, you know, do whatever they say and just turn my brain off. And God's God's word is life. Mm -hmm. To, to, To relinquish that and to give that to somebody else and to say, I'm not going to study the scriptures for myself or just at least read them for myself. Because I'm a firm believer that you can just read them. And you will be, you will experience a supernatural transformation and an intellectual transformation and a spiritual transformation just reading through them or yeah. listening through them, right? Definitely. That's why it's so sad that scriptures are read so little in the pulpits of America today because that's the thing we need. Whenever I preach and I read the scripture, uh, at least recently, I'll tell people, okay, I read scripture. That's the most important thing I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Now, this is my thoughts about the scripture, but yeah. the most important thing I said was the scripture I read. If you take anything away, yeah. it needs to be what the scripture says, if not just my exposition on yeah, it. Yeah, just give me your attention while I read the Bible, and if you don't want to pay attention to the rest, that's fine. Just pay yeah. attention to this. Um, and I, 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 I'd like to turn that corner just a little bit towards the persecuted church, because we want to know 
what happens with them in this situation. See, for the persecuted church, we're using this illustration of digging down through the sand, so removing stuff to get to the rock, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when I say to you, um, let's say you already have a house that you're comfortable in. It's built on the sand, but it's a nice, comfortable house. And you're, you know, you're not in great shape, and there's no real sense of urgency. And I'm like, well, if you want to have a good house, you're going to need to dig through the sand and put it on the rock. Okay, but there's no sense of real urgency. So periodically, I'll go out and move a couple of shovels full of sand, but it might take me, you know, a few years to get the whole thing cleared out and whatever. And then once it's done, then I'll maybe start building. In persecuted church, the the situation is completely different because the sand won't do. Right. So they don't have they 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 go to follow Jesus. They can't build on the sand because the sand's already moving. Mm-hmm. So all they can do is dig as fast as they can to get to the rock. And they're not thinking about how tired they are, how hungry they are, or anything else. They're thinking about, i got to get to the rock. Once I get to the rock, then I can build something that's not going to fall over. And they're building their lives on the rock of Christ Jesus right from the get-go. That's one of the differences. And it's a very different perspective. And so the harder way is for us to say, okay, I don't have that same sense of urgency because my situation is different, but I'm going to choose to work diligently at removing the sand and building on the rock of Christ Jesus mm-hmm. anyway. That's the harder way. And, you know, as we mention every week, the the big key for Christians is the Scripture, and that's why we're so committed to getting Bibles to persecuted Christians is so that they can dig. Certainly, because that is what is going to transform and change and that is what is going to give that foundation you know first corinthians three eleven, paul basically says there's only one foundation and it's already been laid and that is christ jesus right and we know we've said this so many times countless times in this podcast that the bible is the book of jesus and when you bring people the bible you are bringing people jesus yep and that is that's what our persecuted brothers and sisters need. That's what we need. Yes, is the scripture because you know we've talked before, and you kind of alluded to this when you were speaking about the the illustration of the of the sand and what that looks like in the persecuted countries. Is the fact that we really are kind of at a disadvantage in many ways compared to it sounds crazy, but compared to our persecuted brothers and sisters, in that when you're uh, faced with severe religious restriction, you either level up or you leave. Yeah, that's that. Those are your level options. Up or leave, you level yeah. up or leave. But we, and as American Christians, as Western Christians, currently we're allowed to kind of just exist in this narrow ridge, right, where mm-hmm. we're not fully in, we're not fully out, yeah. and we can just kind of be comfortable there. But we shouldn't be comfortable there. Because whether or not severe religious restriction occurs in your context in your lifetime, do you want to live your life half in, half out? Only only if deep down inside I'm not fully convinced that God is real mm-hmm. and I'm not fully convinced that Jesus is my Savior. Because yes. if I'm fully convinced of those things, then I only want to be all in. You can never be satisfied with that half in, half out right. if you have, have truly you know, been converted. Because if God is real, then he should be in charge. Yep. If God is real, I should be listening. 
If God is real, his mere existence requires of me worship. Because that's the only logical response to someone so much greater than me. And so those are the keys. You know, nuts and bolts. Nuts and bolts of how do you do it. People often miss the nuts and bolts of how to do things because they aren't told. I hear a lot of times people say, you should go close, draw closer to the Lord. And good idea. How do, <laughs> how do I do that? Just get close, just get close to God. Right. When those, uh, and and uh, of course, one of our key scriptures is that, you know, those who, uh, who seek to live godly lives will be persecuted. Mm-hmm. So know that a consequence of choosing to live a godly life is that you will be persecuted. Small scale, medium scale, large scale, you will experience opposition, pushback, suffering, pain, rejection, uh, mal- being maligned. You'll experience those things to one degree or yeah, another. Yeah, that's a, that's a biblical promise. Right. But nuts and bolts, how do I dig through the sand? I'm going to say this. Number one, think of it as abiding in Christ. So John chapter 15, abide in the Christ. You know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do I abide? I pray, I worship, I read the word, I spend time meditating on who Jesus is, on his goodness. I spend time being intentionally thankful to God. I spend time worshiping, like we mentioned earlier in this in this um, episode, you know, saying, speaking the truths of God to God as worship. You are my strength. You are my savior. Lord Jesus, you set me free. You pulled me up out of the muck and out of the miry clay and gave me new life. You are my hope. You are my, you know, all of those things. Doing that is the way we dig down to Jesus, dig down to the foundation. And that's how we learn to build our rock upon the sand. And that's how we learn to not be a, how we uh, uh, the, to build our house upon the rock and how we learn to not be overly concerned or worried about what's happening in all the places around the world and in my own backyard. That's good. And I hope that that's encouraging to all of you as you're looking around and find yourself afraid with the things that are going on in this world, that you can know and trust and believe that you can have a firm foundation, but that's only going to be found uh, in Jesus Christ. Fear pacifies pacifies faith, but faith conquers fear. So put mm. your faith in Jesus and walk boldly through these crazy days we're living in. Hey, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.